you've got a Bible or iPad or iPhone or just simply look at the screens, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm in a series called Faith, Hope, and Love. Last time we talked about faith as our foundation. Today we're talking about hope and then we'll get to love. But you know, hope is a very powerful thing. Hebrews 11.1 says this. It says, faith is, is the substance, or now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In talking about this hope that you and I need, if you've lost your hope or you can't find a reason to ever hope again, I want you to know there are many reasons why you can have hope no matter what the situation is. It's a, it's a divine expectancy that we want to talk about. Here in 1 John chapter 5, over in 1 John chapter 5, let's look at this. This is really captures the essence. Of course, faith is the substance of things hoped for. That means you've got to have hope in order to have faith. And in order to have faith, you have to have hope and you have love. I'll get to that in just a second. But notice what it says here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says this. Watch this. It says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Everybody say the word overcome. Overcomes the world. So whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Notice this. Even our faith or even our hope. I like this again. It says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. I think that's such a powerful statement because I don't know about you, the older I get, the more, and especially with technology, even though technology is a blessing, ladies and gentlemen, the world system is predominantly in our face as never before, is it not? I mean, instant news, instant this, instant that. But at the same time, it says, watch this, it says, whatever is born of God overcomes this system of thinking, this way of thinking, and this is the victory. Everybody say victory. Victory, please. Victory. One more time. And this is the what? Victory. One more time. Victory. victory. There that overcomes the world, even our faith. And then it's interesting in verse number five, it says, watch this. It says, he who overcomes the world. Who is he who overcomes the world? It's a question mark. But he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he's asking a question here. Who is he who overcomes? Is the one who believes Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now notice what he's saying there in asking this question. That means if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if, he, if you believe he's Lord and Savior, that means you are in the right position to overcome this world system. Isn't that good news? That means you have hope beyond yourself. You know, when I was born again in October the 16th, 1983, one of the things that really shaped my life is the fact that hope came inside of me as faith was being released in me, and I knew that God was going to help me be the man I was supposed to be at a young 19 years old. And that divine expectancy of, of the goodness of God rose up inside of me and has carried me to this day and will carry me on. Because hope is a spiritual force inside of you and I that overcomes this world system. And I think that's good news because the world's going this way and the hope of God inside of us is saying something else. And regardless of what we see, regardless of the instance of society as far as the quickness of bad news, there's always this good news. And I've got good news today. That hope's inside of you and I. Turn to Ephesians or look at Ephesians chapter 2. The second point, first point is hope is a spiritual force that overcomes. Watch this in Ephesians chapter 2. As a matter of fact, y'all help me today. If I get too fast, y'all say, slow down, Pastor Brian. <laughs> okay? I am a drummer and been a drummer now for thir since I was 13 years old and uh, still... Uh, still proficiently practice this instrument every single day, but one of the things I'm working on as far as my communicating is what they call the rhythm of, the, of, the, of, of communicating and not getting too fast and not getting too slow. Sometimes I get real excited and I get real too fast, so y'all help me to say, slow down, Pastor Brian. Anyway, notice what it says here in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. Watch this. This is, this is interesting. I mean, this is right in the middle of this verse, but notice what it says. It says, 
that at the time you were without Jesus being aliens, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and the strangers of the covenant of, of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So that's when you were without the Lord. But it says here that when you're with the Lord, you have hope, because it says in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So we didn't have hope until we met the Lord, but when we met the Lord, we have hope. And you say, well, Pastor Brian, what's that mean? That means simply this, that you're not wishing or hoping, if you allow me to say that, for something that you don't have. You've already got it. Say, I've already got it. Uh, you have already got it. And this faith and this love working together is a very powerful, effective spiritual force in your life. And I think this is so important with this message today because a lot of people are dealing with hopelessness. They're dealing with the fact of despair, discouragement. I'm getting older and I'm not getting to the place where I, I knew I wanted to be or this is happening or this situation is happening. And I understand all that. But I'm telling you this, there is a beautiful joy in the hope that we're talking about today. And it's found over here in Romans chapter 15. A lot of verses today, but I want to let God's word speak to you. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Watch what this says. This says it better than I can. Romans 15, 13. Look at this. Well, notice what it says here. It says, now may the God of hope. Let's read this together. I think this is an anthem. Let's say it together. One, two, three. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice that. May the God of hope. God is the God of hope. Isn't that good news? So regardless of the situation you're going through today, he wants to fill you with joy and what peace in believing, not doubting, not just, you know, hoping and wishing, but believing that you may abound. Everybody say abound. Abound means to just go forth. Abound means to overabundance. And most what it says, abound in hope by what? The power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news today? And that good news is for you and I to never be hopeless. And we're going to pray about that. If you're dealing with some desperate situations, I understand the things in your life that could be knocking on your door and saying, hey, this will never, ever have victory in your life. You'll never see a breakthrough in this. I just want you to know that the God of all hope was, wants to fill you today with joy and peace in believing. And this is not just when the day you were born again. This is for right now, whatever you're facing. I mean, you may be facing a financial situation. The God of all hope wants to bring you through that and abound power in your life. You may be facing a financial I mean, a family situation along with the financial situation. Whatever that is, God wants to meet you in that situation. But, you know, if you lay down the power of this and you just say, well, I, if God wants to do it, he can. But you've got a part in this. You've got to believe beyond how you feel. And over in the book of Philippians, and I'm slowing down a little bit here, <laughs> and number three, hope is not a wish. And the apostle Paul, who was the original John Wayne of his day, in Philippians, he captures this really beautifully when he says these words here. And again, you got to remember, this man was writing this in prison. He was incarcerated. He was going through a lot of persecution. He was the Osama bin Laden of his day. And here he is getting becoming a Christian. And now he's going through this persecution. He's going through trying this mission from God to try to help the churches, to help believers, and all these things that are coming against him. And he writes these beautiful words here in Philippians 1. As a matter of fact, if you've never read the book of Philippians, please do. It is a, one of the most 
powerful, most encouraged, I mean all the books in the New Testament, but specifically this one about this man of God who endured all this affliction and oppression, but yet he maintained the fact that he knew that God was for him and that he had the expectancy beyond himself. Notice what it says here in Philippians chapter 1 verse 19. I could read all this, but anyway, for the sake of time, it says this, for I know that this situation will, excuse me, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus. Christ. Watch this in verse 20. According to my earnest expectation. Everybody say earnest expectation. Notice that my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, with all confidence, as always, so that Jesus will be magnified in my body, whether it's life or death. Notice what he says, according to my earnest expectation and hope. And so many times when we're going through something, I mean, we're wishing and hoping for something to change, but that's not the foundation we need to have. We've got to understand that real Bible hope is not based on wishing or hoping. It's based on a covenant with with God, our covenant with God, these promises. As he says in verse 6 of that same chapter, I love this in verse 6 of Philippians 1. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he that began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise for you and I, that regardless of what you're going through today, God wants to complete this good thing that he began in you. And that means the older you get, the better you get, does it not? I mean, so many people think if I don't arrive at 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever, or even 70, it's life is over with. Moses didn't begin his ministry or calling till he was 80 years old. I mean, think about that. Ronald Reagan, who we just heard in that video clip, he was one of our senior presidents at the time. and was made fun of back in there in the 80s because of his age. But he accelerated to being one of the greatest presidents. And again, this is nothing of the presidents or whatever in the last couple of years. They're not in this category because of time and distance. But President Reagan, now from the distance from when he was president to now in that years and span of time, has accelerated into Americans' memory and Americans' absolute love for the office of the presidency as one of our greatest presidents. I mean, if he could be put put on Mount Rushmore, I think he would be by a lot of Americans because he's in that kind of class in that category. And I was talking to a man the other day that met him and... um, I said, uh, tell me about your experience with meeting him. And he said, he, you know, because he used to come up to, this was on a military base, and this man was a Marine, and said that uh, when they were coming down the line shaking their hands, I, can, I told him, I said, I know exactly the words he said to you, I think. And uh, he said, what? And he said, it's good to know you. And he shook your hand. Is that what happened? He said, absolutely. That's what President Reagan's uh, signature trademark was when he met someone. And he met thousands of people. But he always said, he didn't ask them how they were doing or just shook their hand or nice to meet you. He said, it's good to know you. And he looked them in the eye. What a, what a classy person that was. What a man of character. What a man of, of absolute divine appreciation for other people. And you know what? God has that same kind of love for you and I. He appreciates you. He desires the best for you, and he looks at you, and he not only wants to know you, because he does, and intimacy, but he wants you to know that he has an expectancy for your life to have good things to happen. Even though you may be going through his, look what it says right here. I mean, he says right, the Apostle Paul said, whether by life or death, Jesus is going to be magnified in my body because of my earnest expectation and hope, my belief that something good is going to happen in my life. 
that regardless of what I feel, regardless of what I'm looking at, regardless of the things that are coming against me, I am trusting God that this is going to turn around. And I love what he says here as he completes this chapter. I mean, it's just amazing. You, you need to read this whole first chapter where he says this in verse 21. He says, for me to live is Jesus and to die is gang. For if I live in the flesh, this means the fruit of... I love this in verse 22. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet I will not choose, I cannot tell. Verse 23, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart to be with Jesus, which is far better, or nevertheless to remain in the flesh, which is more needful for you. Verse 25, being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for the progress for your progress and joy in the faith. I mean, the Apostle Paul was like, hey, if I go to be with the Lord or whatever, I, I just know this, that I am got my confidence, my earnest expectation that in nothing, everybody saying nothing, in nothing I'm going to be ashamed. Isn't that good news? Hey, quickly, moving right along, Philippians, I mean, uh, not Philippians, Romans chapter 4, hope is always at work. Regardless of what you can see, regardless of what you can feel, this is the classic story of Abraham. And I've read this before, but it just bears repeating Romans chapter 4 verse 17 this is where hope is captured in a powerful way because in verse number 17 this is where God makes the promise to Abraham or reestates the promise where he says I have written I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believes watch this of God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did now watch verse 18 it says this and contrary to hope in hope believe sometimes you've got to believe beyond yourself Notice what Abraham did. He believed not only what God had promised him, number one, but he believed beyond hope than what he could feel. I mean, seriously, think about it. These people were in their senior adult years, 80 plus, and here they are believing God to have a child. And they did have a child, and that child was Isaac. And just think about what was going on. Can you imagine their friends around them? I mean, think about just a second. The people tell him, listen, Abraham and Sarah, y'all got to give this dream up. You know, this having a child at 100 years old, this is not going to happen. You are just wasting your time. And uh, I'm telling you, no, what's it, look what it says in verse 19. This is about Abraham. And it says this, and not being weak in faith or weak in hope, he did not consider his body and he did not consider what was happening with Sarah. <laughs> he said, I am not moved by what I see. I move by what God has spoken to me and we are going to have a child. And verse number 20 says this, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong. Everybody say strong. He was strong in faith and hope, giving glory to God in verse number 21. I mean, yes, verse 21, being this, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able to perform. Isn't that good news? You say, well, that's Abraham and Sarah. They had a different generation. The people were different then than they are now. That is not true. Quit buying into that lie. Quit looking at the Bible and reading about these people and thinking that they were a different, you know, physical being than yourself. They had the same emotions. They had the same desires. They had the same pressures. They had the same problems, just in a different manner. As a matter of fact, they were a generation just like we're a generation. The only difference between you and them is time. But notice what it says right here. He was fully convinced and had hope in what God had promised him God was able to perform. And that leads me to my last point, at least for right now, as we move forward, is to over to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, that hope anchors your soul. Now, this is, this is I built to this very important point here because if you don't have hope anchoring your soul, as it says in Ephesians 6, and this one principle I'm about to share with you, then you're truly not tapping into God's best for your life. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17. Notice what it says here. Hebrews 6, 17. 
Notice this. As a matter of fact, it's probably best, it's best to go back to verse 18. So if y'all will help me to go back to verse 18 on the screen, that will work perfectly. Hebrews 6, 18, notice what it says here. It talks about this. By two immutable things or unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. Watch that now. It is impossible. Everybody say this. It is impossible for God to lie. This is when you get this anchor of your soul. That God cannot lie, that what he has promised in these 6,000 promises belongs to me. Notice what it says here. Verse 18 again, by these two immutable things or unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, that we have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. You've got to lay hold of this, that God is not going to lie to me. That if he promised this, he wants to do this in my life. You say, Pastor Brian, I just don't have a revelation of that like you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You've got to bring it from the inside out. Because it says in verse number 19, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul. Notice what it says, both sure and steadfast. When you've got that just absolute, unflinching, just absolute unresolved that God's word is God's covenant to me. I'm telling you what, that takes Christianity to beyond a religion to a relationship. So many people are not in that area. They look at the Bible as a book of you know, history, of theology. I understand that. But the Bible is not just a book of those things. The Bible is God's word speaking directly to you. There's 6,000 promises. Now, the author of this book is amazing, the Holy Spirit, because there's theology, there's eschatology, there's all these things things. There's rich history in this book, especially in the Old Testament. But when you start moving into the New Testament and understanding what Jesus did for you and I, there's this equipping, this empowering. There are three things that happened that changed my life. Number one, I was, of course, born again. That was supernatural and physical. The next thing, when I was baptized in water in a tank behind me, just like we're going to be having water baptism this summer, when I was baptized in water, it wasn't anything that the water did to me. It didn't save me. It didn't whatever. But it it was a marking of my body. It was a public demonstration of an inward witness that happened on the inside of me. But in that month of October of 1983, there are four things that happened. The, the two water, there was water baptism. Then there was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is when I was filled with the Holy Spirit there at that college dorm room in Jacksonville, Alabama. That changed my life. And just after that was a revelation of this book, that it was no longer a book of history, that it was God speaking to me. Those four things in one month catapulted my life into a completely different arena. And so my point with that is a lot of people understand salvation. That's taught a lot in denominational churches. They understand the water baptism, which is very important. They understand that God's word is God's word, even though they sort of, you know, hit and miss with that. But this filling of the Holy Spirit, this baptism of the Holy Spirit is such a laid-aside situation. And it's not understood because so many people don't understand that God gave the Holy Spirit as a gift not as something that, you know, is Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever, attention to yourself. It's a gift for your relationship with the Lord. As a matter of fact, when I received the Holy Spirit, I had this very book, Welcome to the Family, by Kenneth Copeland. That was in my dorm room, and somebody put that in my book. This is not the actual book. The actual book was a white cover, but this is the actual book that was in there. And this book revolutionized my life. And the fact, when I prayed that prayer and received the Holy Spirit, and then I just released those words out of my mouth, and then the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit took over. It supernaturally 
really gave me hope beyond myself. As a matter of fact, Michelle, if you'll bring our special guest up, and Shelby, if you'll come over here. These ladies are going to join me as we close this service out for the next couple of minutes. We'll grab these mics. You've got your mic, Shelby, over here to the side. We're going to talk about hope beyond yourself. We're also going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as a matter of fact, Shelby, I'll let you go first as these precious. As a matter of fact, we have Miss Sue Tubbs. She's coming. She's on the left on the other side of uh, Michelle. She is a dear friend of mine. Her husband, Barry Tubbs, is the associate director or associate minister at Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And we are so honored to have you. Your your husband is a dear treasure to me. Me too. Amen. All right, you got those mics? Okay. First of all, you go first. Shelby, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? Tell us about your experience real quickly. And now you grew up in a Christian family. Now, come on, Miss Sue, get your notes and get ready to start doing some preaching here. Go ahead. Yeah, I grew up um, in the household of faith. I grew up at Eagle Mountain International Church. So um, I grew up under Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And I I don't remember, honestly, I don't remember a time where I wasn't praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay, that know, was my, our childhood. Um, your dad we prayed. Brian. We uh, prayed in the Holy Spirit in our home my whole life. And so anytime anything was going on, um, some of my earliest childhood memories are my mom and dad on the way to church were praying in tongues. That's so right. that was uh, what we did. I would say um, I, I was got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was around three years old, and I've never looked back <laughs> since then. Um, but it, it's been it, it living built, in the right. Spirit You've been living. That's exactly that has right. changed my life. That's exactly so right. So I, I say it's not so much what the Lord took me out of, but it's what he kept me from. Whoa, that's powerful. See, parents are responsibility, grandparents. You say, Pastor Brian, I don't understand these things. Well, uh, Miss Sue, you've been around it with, of course, Michelle grew up in it too. I mean, I know that, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it gets a lot of uh, misunderstanding and abuse. But however, just, just hear what Shelby just said. Her parents did not, we're not talking about something you're doing publicly necessarily, but in the privacy of your own home. I, I never got up here and really, I don't know, I don't think I ever in 16 years got up here and just spoke in the spirit, you know. I mean, I could, but I'm telling you, this is a, this is a relationship between you and God, a power between you and God. And so, uh, well, here, you talk about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. You introduce it. All right, go ahead. No, we oh, got to have okay. a mic, and you got. Well, and um, you got to look at that camera now, Miss Sue. Come on, where is it? <laughs> it's oh, right there. <laughs> well, I grew up in the Baptist church. Uh oh, uh oh, you're a Southern and Baptist actually, too. Actually, our pastor, Doctor B.K. Self, was the head of the was the president of the whole Southern Baptist Convention. Well, you're next, Shelby. Hold on. The whole thing <laughs> in the United States. And I knew that tongues was of the devil. It wasn't hard for me <laughs> at all. I knew. And so my mother, I came from a great, great family in every area of our life, spiritually, physically, financially, whatever. And so my mother and a bunch of the other ladies from Benton, Arkansas, outside of Little Rock, went to Nacogdoches, Texas. I had never even heard of that place. To a meeting, we just figured they went shopping. That's what they did all the time. <laughs> and let me tell you who went with her. Suzanne Best. Hi, Suzanne. From Little Rock, Arkansas. Suzanne and Johnny Best, eventually, after this meeting they went to in Nacogdoches, Texas. Do you know Suzanne and Johnny? I know of them, yes, ma'am. They started KCM. That's correct. You might think that 
two other people started Kenneth Copeland Ministries, but Suzanne and Johnny Best in Little Rock, who I had known since I was in high school, started Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Anyway, so my mother came home, and she had this thing she wanted to tell all of us, and so Daddy said, we're going to have a meeting this afternoon, and 5 o'clock, Mother's going to tell us what she got. So I have, there were four of us children, so we sat on the floor, two of them, uh, my sister was Mary and lived in Little Rock, and we sat down, and Daddy said, okay, honey, tell us what you got. Well, she said, He said, never mind, never mind, never mind. We're going to cancel this meeting and we'll have another one later. Well, so we knew it was of the devil. And I do think, I'm sorry, Brian, I do think tongues is for the whole world. I don't think it's just for at home. Sorry. No, it's, I agree. Okay. And, um... It's nothing to be ashamed of. Of course, I was very ashamed for a long time. I was a senior in high school, and um, we never did have another meeting, by the way. Uh, and my daddy said to me, I was about, it was about graduation time, Susie, would you like to go on to college early? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anything to get away from my mother. So I went on to college, and I was laying in bed reading one day, and my sister, who was seven years older than me, called me, and she said, Susie, guess what? I said, what? And she said, it's real. And I said, how do you know it's real, Libby? And she said, well, I just knelt down by my bed, and I said, God, if it's real, you show me. And she said, and I started speaking in tongues. I said, okay, thanks, bye. And so uh, I was home one weekend, and my parents took... Am I taking too long? No, you go right ahead. You're on. Okay, and my parents took turns on Baptist night, you know, church, going to different people's house. And so I was with my friend who she would say, I'm going to take Susie out. We're just going to... I don't know what she told them, but they let her take me out. You know what we actually did? Went to see Bill Clinton in Hot Springs, Arkansas. <laughs> Because that's who she was dating. But anyway, we came back home, and we were sitting out front in the driveway, and Susan said to me, she said, Susie, what if I've known God all my life. I never walked away from him since I was about four or five years old. And she said, Susie, what if there is more of God than you know now? She said, you know what, there is more. And that changed my life, that one sentence. Even though I did not receive the Holy Spirit then, I knew that she was telling the truth. Then I met Barry Tubbs, and I got married. And I had gone out to dinner with a bunch of my friends. I got home. He wasn't there. I just got in bed and read. He came home, and he stood there at the door, and he said, I went to your, a meeting with your mother tonight in Little Rock. And I didn't really think anything. He said, and I got something while I was in Little Rock. I said, what'd you get? And he started going, caught on a forever. And he spoke in tongues for I don't know how long. And I said, good. And then I really went. I know you from somewhere right here. 
you. <laughs> anyway, so I, I knew I had to have it then. So I would take Brother Hagen's book and kneel down in front of the sofa and do every single thing he said. Right. Over cool. and over and over and over and over. And guess what I would get? <laughs> but I tried. So one day I was standing in front of our little refrigerator in this rent house. And I thought, this came to me. I thought, you know, I'm just going to copy these people. Oh, no. I'm just going to copy them. And all I could remember was Shonda Law. <laughs> That's all I could remember. Because I'd go to Full Gospel Businessmen, and I'd go to hear um, Bob Booth and uh, the one that I told you about, the funny thing. Norval Hayes with my mother. But I, and so, but that's all I could remember, those two words, Shondala. So I just, when we'd go, and everybody be praying out loud in the Holy Ghost, in my mind, I'd just say, Shondala, Shondala, Shondala. So then eventually I said, Shondala, Kosi. And then I just add a word and add a word. And then the Lord added words you know, himself. And so, you know, we might copy, uh, Mary had a little lamb. What's the difference in copying Mary had a little lamb and the actual words of the Holy Spirit? He doesn't mind. So I just wanted, I want to tell people, people have said to me before through the years, Sue, if I can't get the Holy Spirit, do you know anything I can do? Yeah, I do, <laughs> because that's what happened to me. And anyway, that's about it. Yeah, that's good, Miss Sue. Well, we're going to have you pray for some folks here okay, in the Okay, because I share her know part. you can have the Holy Spirit. And you can. and Quickly, right, even. Quickly, and I know that a lot of people... Go ahead, Michelle, and take that mic if you need... Oh, you got a mic. Um, let's give Miss Sue in. That is precious. No, don't go in here. <laughs> so, hold on. <laughs> so, well, sh you stay right over there, Miss Sue. Go ahead, Michelle. Share. Shelby and I were talking this weekend, and I don't exactly remember exactly how old I was when I was filled with the Spirit. It was somewhere around six or seven yes. in a super kid meeting at convention one summer. And I remember just like Sue and I were speaking over dinner this Friday night that when I prayed with one of the super kid workers to be That's filled good. with the Spirit, the first thing that they said with me was to help copy and imitate them. And as I did, it began coming. And sometimes I think it may be easier as kids to be filled with the Spirit than as adults because you have to overcome your mind. That's you have to overcome your own thinking with it because it doesn't come from your mind. It comes from your spirit, That's right. from inside. But from even the time as a little kid, just like John 14, 26 and 27 says, where Jesus says that I'm giving to you the comforter. I'm giving to you the Holy Spirit, your advocate, that's going to help teach you. He's going to remind you what my word says, mm -hmm. that he's going to be the peace to that's you good. in all times. That's, real good. that's what he was to me growing up. Mm -hmm. Anytime we had something that we faced in our family, we were in Montana one summer. I was eight years old, and we got news. We'd been there for 24 hours that my aunt right here in Burleson had been hit by a train. Mercy. And we had no idea what state she was in. All we knew was that she was alive. And my mother sent me at 8 and my brother at 5 to our rooms and told us to go pray. 
And that was the first thing that I did. I didn't know what words to pray. And when you don't know what words to pray, that's where the Holy Spirit steps in for you because he knows everything. He's the comforter for you. And as I went to my room at eight years old and began to pray, I came out of there just a few minutes later. My mom said, what what did the Holy Spirit say to you? And I said, he said, it's going to be okay. And she went on to live 30 more years after that. That's beautiful, Michelle. That's powerful. I mean, every every single time in our, our childhood. My brother was eight. I was 10. My dad was getting ready to go overseas. Mm-hmm. And my mom had said to us, go and pray about it. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you think. And my brother wasn't gone two minutes in his room praying in the spirit when he walked back out. And he said, the Holy Spirit said, dad's supposed to go to Korea. <laughs> yeah. hey. And that's what he's been to us all of our lives. When I don't know what to say, when, when a peer can't tell you anything anymore, when you need that comfort. That's right. That's when praying in the Spirit steps in for you. And that's the, you say, well, what's this? This is perfect into my message because that's what hope is about. You see, we're not talking about your hope and I hope this and hope this and cross my feet and all this, cross my arms. I'm talking about Bible hope comes from the Holy Spirit. This divine believing, this divine expectancy. Miss Sue's talked about, of course, Shelby said it perfectly in the fact that, you know, she grew up in parents and grandparents, uh, our generation. We're responsible to do what, of course, Shelby's now doing that in her own situation with her own children. We're responsible for That's the greatest legacy to leave someone. You say, well, I can leave them money or I can leave them property. You know, those things are important. But let me ask you this. I was up yesterday at a, a particular spot where a man had given over $100 million to this institution. And they're getting to come in, they're getting ready to come in and redo this facility. He gave $100 million in, in 2000. This is 21 years ago. Okay, that's great. It's $100 million. But they're coming back in to redo the building again. So my point with that, the legacy of that giving, it, it's just, I, I don't know, it changes every 21 years. I mean, you know, there's no substitute. What we're talking about is eternal. What happened in Michelle's life? What happened in Miss Sue's life? What happened in my life? Someone that founded Kenneth Copeland Ministries, eventually published that book. And that book got to my dorm, and somebody brought in new furniture to my dorm and placed this booklet inside of there, and that booklet changed my life. As a matter of fact, I'm here today because of that booklet. And I'm here today also because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a weird thing. It is a part of your relationship with God. And ladies, before as we close, is there anything you would attest to the fact that, you know, the Holy Spirit's never told you to do anything weird? I mean, going back to you, Shelby, the Holy Spirit led you to marry Dave. That was a supernatural deal. It's not like you met him, you know, down the street at Quick Trip. I mean, y'all were in two different states and it was a quick trip, but it, was, <laughs> it wasn't the quick trip. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a quick trip. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, seriously, he, the Holy Spirit orchestrated that, and what you learned in that situation brought you two together. I mean, go ahead. Absolutely. I, I, I think the most important thing of living uh, or, or the gift of the Holy Spirit is that you have him daily with you, That's leading right. you. It's not just these big one-off things that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is wonderful. uh, But it's living a life filled with the Holy Spirit and by the direction of the Holy Spirit that makes all the difference. Um, You know, I I remember being in my in my teenage years in such angst, 
But the peace from the Holy Spirit, when my mom would say, Shelby, just pray about that. Just yeah, pray fine. about it. And the peace it. that would come. And now David and, our, and I in our marriage, if there's something going on in our marriage or something going on with our kids, you know, we pray in the Holy Spirit and we get direction. And it's not always that we know, okay, now this is what we're going to do. Sometimes it is that way. But sometimes it's just the inward peace that comes and we just keep following and following and following where we have light to. A few uh, months ago, I I had some extreme pain in my abdomen and David prayed over me and the next morning things weren't any better um, and there was still pain and there was other things going on and the Holy Spirit led us to get up and go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, well, you know, what do we need to do here? And, and David and I were in the car and we said, okay, God, what, which hospital are we supposed to go to? And David said, hospital? I thought we were going to go to like care now. And I said, no, I feel like we're supposed to go to the hospital. He says, okay. And so then we're praying and the Holy Spirit together, which hospital are we supposed to go to? So then we go to the certain hospital that we went to and I, I needed an operation and it saved my life. The op what ended up happening, um, you know, there's a lot of details in that, but the leading of the Holy Spirit took us to the hospital and we were able to take care of what needed to get taken care of and it saved my life. There's situations like that with the Holy Spirit that happen every day, I believe, in the life of a believer, but he calls us to walk in peace. So a lot of times we don't even see the fiery darts of the enemy yeah, going on beside us. Sometimes we do, but there's a lot that he just keeps us from. Exactly. And that's what but I pray over my children, Father, keep them, just keep them, keep them under the shadow of your wing so that they don't know what's going on Absolutely. or what's happening. And that's what I experienced the most, the majority of my, my childhood and my life walking with the Holy Spirit, Absolutely. with the Lord. And it's proved it out. Michelle, you've gone through a lot in a year. <laughs> I mean, uh, some unfortunate situations with family members, but I mean, I look at you Wednesday to Wednesday and just like Shelby was talking about, I know your commitment to the Lord, your commitment to the to the body of Christ, but your commitment to pray these things out. And when your mind can't reasoning it out, then I know that you step into another level of what I'm talking about today. And again, remember, I'm talking about hope now. You can have hope in money. You can have hope in doctors. But when you have hope in God, then you go to the doctor and things change, okay? When you have hope in God, then your money doesn't dominate you or control you. It's just a tool in your life, okay? I mean, your job is not, oh, my gosh, if I lose my job, I lose my identity, I lose my everything. No, the Lord's your source, not that job. But how did you do it, Michelle? How did you get through this year? I mean, I know COVID was a part of that, but... Tell us how you're praying in the Spirit. I know you pray in the Spirit a lot. I know you do. I see it. There's no way you could stand up here on Wednesday nights and do what you do without praying in the Holy Spirit. It's a part of your life. Well, like Shelby and Pastor have said, this is a daily thing. And if you've never been filled with the Spirit before and you're filled with the Spirit, I don't want you to be discouraged if you wake up the next morning and, and you think, I'm not experiencing this. Right. Because your spirit man is like a muscle that you have to exercise. That's true. That's You've constantly, point. constantly got to put that time into it and build that up and build that relationship with God. Because the more you build that relationship with God, the more you begin to hear his voice and you know what his voice sounds like. Because if I hadn't known what his voice sounded like, what was it, six years ago? Actually, it would have been eight years ago because I didn't listen to it the first time he said it to me when he told me that this was where I was supposed to go to church. And it comes out of a daily relationship with God. That's right. 
And just like what Pastor was referencing, when I spoke a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, Mm -hmm. I told the kids about something that I had dealt with this past year. And I talked about labels that you put on in your life and how so often things get spoken to us and we put on those labels and we ignore what the truth of the word is. Mm -hmm. We ignore what the truth of what God says that we are on the inside, not what people see on the outside. And back in October, I had a label that I took on myself Mm -hmm. that said cancer. Because I had some test work, some blood work that had come back abnormal. And my doctor had referred me to a a hematologist, oncologist, to have some things checked out. And before I even had a diagnosis, before I even had anything else, all I had was a mass in my abdomen, something I could physically see, and I had abnormal blood work. I took on that label of cancer. And I had to overcome that by knowing exactly who I was in Christ, by knowing exactly what his word said about me being healed. And that came through that relationship. That came through praying out. And so when I didn't know what to pray or when the words couldn't come to me because the only thing that kept coming was fear because I was battling in that battlefield of your mind, your thoughts and everything else that come, that's where praying in the spirit comes. The comforter, the peace that comes to you, and you have to know exactly who you are in Christ. And you do that by a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're going to close this service. These three ladies and Miss Anderson, if y'all help me, we got ladies praying today, so nothing against the men. But ladies are special. We'll call it Ladies' Day. But uh, seriously, we and I know those that are watching can't, but we will we will work with you, and and these ladies will help me. Uh, to pray with you about this. We want to pray with you about this. If you've never received this, again, uh, if, if they would be first to testify, and again, Miss Sue would too. We're not here. This is not Pentecostal weirdness. Uh, we, some of us grew up in that. Some of us grew up in denominational churches. This is about what the beauty of these three ladies have talked about, what I've talked about. This is real hope in God. This is real faith. And by the way, you're not. if you don't pray and receive it today, please take the booklet with you. Just seek God. Do what Miss Sue did. Just seek the Lord. There's scriptures on it. There's scriptures in this little booklet. I mean, seriously, let this be a time. I'm telling you what, that dorm room at Jacksonville State University changed my life. And guess what? I was by myself. That one moment with God, that one private encounter changed my life. And I'm telling you, set me free of things. The, uh, the month of October, I thought about it this, this Friday. I graduated 39 years ago from high school. Uh, this Friday, I was thinking about it. Anyway, well, you say, what, what's the point of that, Pastor Brian? My greatest graduation was not what happened in 82. It's what happened in 83. In one month, in one month, God completely revolutionized my life in one month. And by the way, Miss Sue, in that one month, on the fifth week of the month of October, someone came up and gave me a cassette tape. Now, for our younger audience, cassette tapes are... Well, anyway, some of you, they, you don't understand that. You'll understand that. You go back and look in the ancient archives of DVDs. You'll get that later. But a cassette tape, which was before, before the CD player. Anyway, somebody gave me a cassette tape of Kenneth Copeland, the series God is in Control. And that series revolutionized my life. You want to say something before we close? Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Well, I love him too. I miss that man. That's he is a dear mentor friend of mine, and um, and he, yes, and he he's been with Brother Copeland for let's just forty years, and I I'm telling you what, Barry Tubbs and I just I, I just 
He just He's just one of those special, he's the most consistent man I've ever been around. And I love him dearly. And uh, he has made a great impact on the body of Christ. You know why? He's been a servant. I love his message being second. It's one of the most powerful messages. And I wanted to have him at the church, but there's a schedule that Brother Copeland keeps him. This 84-year-old Kenneth Copeland is a busy little fella. I mean, and keeps, and by the way, where Brother Copeland is, Mr. Tubbs is with him. But we are honored to have Ms. Tubbs here. And she's going to pray with you in a second. We're going to close this service out. And uh, listen, if you need prayer for anything, these ladies want to pray with you. And by the way, maybe you're in a situation like Shelby was talking about. Maybe you're dealing with a decision. Hey, please remember, Pastor Brian believes in healing, but if you need to go to the doctor, you better go to the doctor, okay? And you get in faith when you go to the doctor. And if you don't have a doctor of faith, you go to one there is, okay? I'll recommend. Well, I know because he taught me. <laughs> so, anyway, and uh, no, I, Brother Copeland is the one that led me to the Lord. A lot of people don't realize that, that that day that I was given this book was the day that Kenneth Copeland at 10, at 5 minutes to 11 on ABC television, he caught my attention and led me to the Lord. And I prayed Romans 10, 9 and 10 with him at that moment. And uh, the rest is history. And of course, Brother Copeland knows that. And I, that is my testimony. And I thank God for Kenneth Copeland Ministries because television ministry changed my life. And so does this ministry here. Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for every person watching, for every person in this auditorium. For those that do not have hope, we just speak hope to them. We speak the hope of God, that with God nothing is impossible. That whatever they need from you, Lord, as far as what your word has promised, we as a team, we as a people, we all agree together in the name of Jesus for hope to flood this auditorium, hope to flood the airways, and hope to arise in our hearts. And we are thankful that we serve the God of hope and we serve him with joy and peace believing. In Jesus' name, amen.